Section 10 of the Normans in Europe by Arthur Henry Johnson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 7. Richard III and Robert the Magnificent, 1026 to 1035. For the sake of clearness, we have carried our sketch of the Normans in Italy up to the middle of the 12th century. We must now return to the Dukes of Normandy to trace in detail the growing connection between England and Normandy, which was to result in the greatest conquest of all, the Norman conquest of England. Richard II died without a dream of the great destiny awaiting his race in the south. In 1026, three years before the settlement at Aversa, he had peacefully passed away, leaving his son Richard, the third of his name, as his successor to the dukedom. During his successful reign, the dread of Normandy had increased all around. Pursuing steadily the policy of his father, he had confirmed the Capetian dynasty on the throne of France, strengthened his position by numerous alliances, and by his quiet rule in Normandy, prepared her for her next new enterprise. Richard III, 1026 to 1028, only enjoyed his dukedom for two years, and even these were clouded by domestic quarrels with his brother Robert. A dispute arose between the brothers as to Robert's share and as to the possession of the important castle of Falaise. The reconciliation was speedily followed by Richard's death by poison, administered, many said, by Robert. Robert, who succeeded to the dukedom under these suspicious circumstances, has earned from the legendary writers the title of the devil. How or why, it is hard to say. Possibly the name is due to the hatred which surrounded the early days of his young bastard son, but it was scarcely deserved. If we accept the alleged murder of his brother, of which there is considerable doubt, no evil deeds are brought against him. Among contemporaries, he was known as the Magnificent, and this best accords with the reckless, extravagant liberality of his character. He bears an insignificant place in the history of Normandy, and to us is chiefly illustrious as being the father of the conqueror. This son was the offspring of Duke Robert and Harlotta, a daughter of a tanner of Falaise, whom the Duke had seen from the cliffs of Falaise, and loved as she washed clothes in the neighboring brook. The marriage ties of the Norman dukes had all been very loose from Rollo downwards. Richard II's children alone were born in lawful wedlock. The illegitimacy of William was therefore but a pretext. It was the humble lineage of William's mother which really excited the contempt of the haughty Norman nobles. In his very cradle the babe was cursed by William Talva de Belem, the descendant of Ivo de Belem, the trusty friend of Richard Saint-Peur. Shame, shame, thrice shame, cried he, for by thee and thine shall I and mine be brought to loss and dishonor. Talva spoke for the nobility, and several revolts were the consequence of the ill feeling. Robert, however, triumphed over them all, and secure at home began to exercise that influence on the affairs of Europe, which Normandy, by her position geographical, social, and political, could not fail to wield. 
Brittany, at this time under Allen, Robert's cousin, ever eager to assert her independence, attempted to throw off the homage definitely claimed since the days of William Longsword. The attempt, however, failed. Allen returned to his allegiance and henceforth became the trusty supporter of Robert's throne. Elsewhere, the position assumed by Robert was that of a protector of exiled princes and a kingmaker. Baldwin IV of Flanders, driven forth by his rebellious son, was restored by the Norman duke. Soon after, Robert was called in to support the claim of his suzerain, Henry of France. In the year 1031, Robert of France, the lifelong friend of the Norman duke, had died, leaving the crown to his eldest son, Henry. His widow Constance, a woman of masculine and harsh character, disliked the retiring disposition of her eldest son and set up the claims of her spoilt youngest son, Robert. The aid of Folk of Anjou and Eudes II of Blois was gained, and Henry, driven from his throne, was forced to throw himself on the protection of his vassal of Normandy. By his help, the formidable league was overthrown, Henry was restored, and Robert, his brother, contenting himself perforce with the Duchy of Burgundy, became the founder of the first line of Burgundian dukes. Thus another item was added to the debt owed by the kings of Paris to the Norman dukes. In return, Henry granted to Robert the overlordship over the Vexin, a piece of borderland lying between France and Normandy, and the dominions of Normandy were extended up to Versailles and Saint-Germain, in fact, up to the very walls of Paris. So far Robert had been successful in all his schemes. In the next he undertook he failed indeed, but it may be said to have paved the way for the future conquests of his son. The Athlings, Alfred and Edward, still remained exiles at the Norman court, neglected alike by Canute, who sat upon the English throne, and by their heartless mother Emma, who had married Canute and forgotten her children by the ill-fated Ethelred. At first Robert had continued the policy of neutrality toward England inherited from his father, and in 1026 had even married Estrith, sister of Canute. Considerable obscurity surrounds the subsequent history, but according to the most probable account, a quarrel ensued owing to the ill-treatment of Estrith by her husband. Robert retaliated by reviving the pretensions of the Athlings, 1028 to 1035, and claimed the cession of England to the rightful heir. Upon Canute's refusal, he attempted to invade England. Canute, however, was too firmly seated on the throne to be overthrown by this half-hearted attempt. The expedition failed, and the Dane remained in undisputed possession of his crown. Thus ended Robert's political career. His life closed with a strange pilgrimage to the Holy Land, prompted by a fit of passionate remorse for what crime we are not told. The stories of this pilgrimage surround the name of Robert with the romance of a knight-errant. With ostentatious liberality, his mules were shod with shoes of silver gilt and carelessly attached by one nail alone, that they might be lost and speak of the riches of him who had passed that way. 
arrived at the court of Constantinople, he treated the emperor with a rudeness and contempt which were best answered by the studied courtesy of the more refined monarch of the East. When he reached the gates of Jerusalem, we are told of the contest of liberality between him and the emir, Robert paying all the tolls of those pilgrims who waited outside the gates, too poor to pay their fees for entrance, which the emir, not to be outdone, returned on his departure. On his way home, Robert's pilgrimage and life were suddenly cut short in Bithynia in 1035, where he died, some said, by poison. His last act well illustrates his extravagant, senseless generosity, the predominant feature of his character, and explains the reason of his name, the Magnificent. End of section 10